0: Was what could i have done to be here i mean that was co- and then while while healing myself it was what could i what did i do what did i do how did before i meet a
1: new person what did i do so i i don't know i guess But if you don't, what if you don't need to be fixed because thinking that we need to be fixed is part of the issue it's part of the self-judgment what if we don't need to be fixed What if every experience we have is an opportunity to see things more clearly, create a new story around it and be a better person in this life? Where are you undervaluing, valuing you? Shit. I
2: could tell you. (laughs) Go ahead, Kevin. Where am I? (laughs) I think you're undervaluating your level of resiliency. I think you're undervaluating your level of wisdom at a young age and perspective and appreciation for things that are not permanent i.e life itself and relationships and shit i think that you don't give yourself enough credit for what you've been through and what you can go with through now i think you can go through anything dude and i Like, like to hear that like you think there's something wrong with you it's like i don't think there's anything wrong with you dude i think that whatever happened happened and you can make it through anything now. Just like your and, and two like your ability to uplift others. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Like there's been times where I'm just like, you know, fuck, bro. Like shit's just sucking. But like even at the worst, I'm going through it with Trevor, and I. I don't think you really appreciate how much you help other people. Or how much people look up to you and think you know he could do it and i can't i'm sorry I mean, i'm sorry no, no, i'm sorry me. it takes a lot to give me to cry bro but like for real though like you're you're such a light in so many people's lives and i don't think you really appreciate that not like you know yeah. you need to appreciate it, but like that it is what it is you know
0: yeah i sorry, sorry. i would say all those are pretty accurate those are all the th- yeah, those are all the things that I think is like wrong at least.
1: What's wrong what's wrong though?
0: I think it's cuz I have an idea of who I want to be and I know I don't know. I don't want to say I know either cuz I don't really know like I I have an idea of who I want to be and I know if I don't take the actions to be that person then I I'm wrong
2: like you're capable, what if you're not?
1: What if you're not? So, so let's, let's go a little, let's go a little further on that. Trevor, is that you're projecting into the future who you want to be in the future? How can you be the best person you can be in this very moment? What are you doing right now? What are you doing? You're you're holding the two of you are holding a podcast with a grief expert that you're sharing through the world. Of what whether there's one person who vi- watches this video or a million people you are changing the world by showing up and being your vulnerable self here you're teaching people through experience that it's okay to be pushed a little on on a podcast it's okay to be vulnerable you know i've got stories that would make your hair turn <laughs> you know like curl your hair and i'm okay what do you want to know i'll tell you because i don't really <laughs> care what people think of me anymore i'm in the space now that i actually love myself and all the experiences i've had even the ones that i judge myself over years and years and years that i've t- that i've done today i'm like you know if if i didn't experience that i wouldn't be the person i am today for myself or the people i work with and
0: All right, welcome back everybody. I believe we got episode 40 here. Very excited, we got a really good guest. Very fortunate to have her on, thanks for responding. Um, Kathleen, how you doing today? I'm great,
1: Trevor, thank you. How about you?
0: I'm doing good, very good. Just beautiful sunny day over
2: here in Florida, so
0: (laughs) can't complain (laughs) too much. Kev, how how you doing, man? How's the weather over there?
2: (laughs) Nice and overcast, so. No, I'm really good. I didn't think about it till just now, but like episode 40, I remember like when we were on episode four, I'm like, oh, I don't think we're gonna get to 10. <laughs> and now we're at 40. So appreciate everyone sticking with us. A lot of big things to come. So how are you though, Trevor? Congratulations.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's it's exciting. And we talked about it a little bit last time, but even, I mean, for me and Kevin, each guest we have, we are so excited to talk to the guest and get into the guest pass. And and learn about the guest, and then after the show, the guest will say thank you. And we're like no, thank you, because our goal is to learn about everybody, so we can't do it without the guests. So before we start, we'll say thank you, I guess this time, switch it up.
1: Yeah, we'll just say thank you all together. Thank yeah. you, everybody.
0: Thank yous out of the way, um, but I guess we'll just start a little bit of your background, so everyone knows kind of what we're getting into here. There's going to be a deeper episode. That's what me and Kevin shoot for, so just be prepared, everyone listening. Mentally, it's gonna be a little tougher. Um, But yeah, I guess just start where you grew up. You said uh, Vermont. How'd you like it?
1: (laughs) Uh, I loved Vermont. I was there for my entire life up until about four years ago. So Vermont has been very good to me in many ways. And I've also experienced a few things that I got to learn from. Nice. Nice. All right.
0: And you just visited everywhere, just went to Ecuador, Costa Rica, and all that, started traveling. How's that compared to Vermont? (laughs) Uh,
1: I loved it. Um, I host retreats for parents who've lost children, or globally, I I host retreats for people who have lost children. And so I did two retreats in Costa Rica and one in Ecuador. And the difference for me in ecuador is that where i was was staying in the um in the area i was in they live in a very conscious way and so they don't even move a rock without asking the spirit of the rock if it's okay to move it and so they live in a very conscious way and you come back to america which i love no no complaints at all we live in fear depression anxiety and it the energy becomes very heavy and so it was a huge transition six weeks you know in in south america and costa rica was um very different than coming back here it took me a little bit a while to integrate for sure
0: i'm gonna ask just because me and kevin you know six weeks is kind of close to what we had i mean eight more eight weeks About 80 days is kind of almost the cap. 80 to 90 days is the cap of when we went overseas. How long, Mm -hmm. like if you could kind of point a specific out, how long did it take you to get back to the American way? Like just kind of back Uh, into American, like you're here now mentally.
1: Yeah. It took me about 10 days to, and I live a very conscious life as well. I do, you know, practices and we'll get into how I live my life now today versus how I used to, but I don't get involved in the fear and the anxiety and and all the hype around what's happening in the world. And so it took me about 10 days to two weeks to, I bet you I could have counted on one hand how many times I left my house. In that 10 days now i i will tell you that i sat in plant medicine probably six six times the times that i was gone and that helps you open up to see new stories around the experiences you've had so you so i was really processing a lot of stuff that popped up and um yeah so it took a little while to get back into it nature is huge for me so when I'm in nature, I tend to be able to release a lot of the other energies that's around us because no matter, we're all connected. We're all energy. The desk in front of you is the energy. The microphone that's in front of you is energy. It's just more dense. And so when you come back to America and you're feeling that heaviness of that fear and that de- you know depression and anxiety you can feel it even if a person shows up with a smile on their face you can feel the energy that they, that they're holding and so to come back to america and feel that i was like hell no <laughs>
2: was it, it was palpable when, my, you, got, my apartment. Go when you got back you could it was like palpable you could real feel like you could feel the kind of angst in the air
1: the heaviness is is real here there's a lot of heaviness you know we, we talked about it before we got on air, you know, you have school shootings, you have the news that's that people get in, entrenched in what you're watching, what you're listening to what you say to yourself affects your energy. It affects your ability to show up. And so when you're living in, in the fear of what's out there, you know, what other people are doing, you it, it affects your ability to show up in the light that you are. So yes, I could, I could definitely feel it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> why, why do you think America's the so heavy? I mean, I, and other than the countries at war, we might be one of the, like the heaviest to deal with when living. <laughs> you know, other than like the countries at civil war with themselves and the countries that we may be at war with, we <laughs> seem like we seem like the most fearful and the most. Maybe it's because we're all in America so much. So I'm paying attention to all the Americans. But it even looking around like you said it's, it's palpable you could see all the the sadness and the fear in everybody why america is it's you know
1: well i think it's a complex issue so i couldn't say i'm not going to just point to one thing it's a complex issue no matter where you are um but one of the things is is marketing and keeping up with the joneses and wanting more you know there's been programs societally that you know it's the land of the free. and and you want the American dream of having the house, having, you know, this big car, beautiful car, and then having more. So it's material. And so you get caught up in the news and and you know, news is selling. You, their job is to sell, to get as many viewers as they can. So what do they focus on? They focus on, on um, the things that are more challenging. They don't talk about all the good that's going on. What people talk about is how bad is the weather? You know, my life sucks. You know, my kids, whatever, you know, like they get involved in, in the negative. Now, I can't say that for other countries, but I can say that, you know, the area I was in in, Costa, in Ecuador and in Costa Rica, it's a very conscious living. Like they are in the moment. And they don't get caught up in having more. They get involved in what feels good to them and, and community and helping others and and knowing that the earth is what feeds us. they value and cherish the land that they're on. They yeah. believe the land is what, what's taking care of them. And, and it's true, you know. If we didn't have air, we wouldn't be breathing, and we would die. If we didn't have dirt, we wouldn't have food, you know. And if we didn't have rain, there wouldn't be an ability to to nur- uh, nurture that the the ground. We didn't have sun or whatever it is. So when we start to talk about you know our mental health and how we deal with issues directly, we have to go within and we have to really connect. We don't have to, everyone has a choice. You know, I live by a, a formula that Jack Canfield come, came up with is E plus R equals O. There's the events in our lives, the E is the events that occur in our life. The O uh, is how we want to, resp- uh, is the well, E plus R equals O. So the R is, re- uh, is how you respond or react and the O is the outcome. So the only thing that you have control over in that formula is your response or your reaction, which creates how you live your life. So anything that happens in your life, you get to decide if you're going to get caught up in the head that's swirling and going in that downward spiral, or you get to sit, breathe, you know, be in the moment. And feel into your body to see what's right for me in this particular moment to make this decision, and how do I want to live my life? And then you make your your then you take action. Now, when you're serving, you don't have a lot of time to react or respond. You do that through the programs that you have been trained through.
2: I mean, not, you know, like you can control a lot of your reactions, though. It's like we were talking about that on a, a Twitter space that we did, like the concept of killing. Like, would that bother you if you had to do it? It's like, I think that would kind of let, it would take as much hold as you kind of let it take. It's like.
1: well, yeah. And it also, I mean, it, so it all depends, right? If your life was in your hands, was in someone else's hands with a gun to your head, how do you want to respond or react? You want to engage and you want to, you want to irritate them so they do pull the trigger? You have no control. So this is the this is one of the things that I really talk about, especially when it's suicide. You know, my son took his life in two thousand ten and you know, as a parent and he also wrote a note saying he didn't want me at his service. I didn't find out Whoa. find out about Whoa. that for a month afterwards, thankfully. So he died when he was mad at me, you know, and so as a parent I lived with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of Um, judgment of myself and I could have gotten caught up in all of that but the fact is I had no ability to change his choice that's his that was his choice it wasn't my choice now if I had a choice about it he'd still be here growing old with his sister you know I'd give my life today still so he could grow old with his sister and that's not possible So we can get caught up in the what ifs, if onlys, we can live in the past, which is causing unnecessary pain, which causes depression and anxiety and suicide. And, or we can say, this is the moment we have right now. What can I do in this moment? This is what I have. How can I respond or react to that? And what I chose to do is step into my healing journey deeply and and intensely. So where i could be here to help share that with others
0: what what is the first step to your healing journey because a lot of people on the conscious side of things or the people more self self-aware say mm-hmm. they'd much rather be more self-aware which is hard that's one of the hardest things to do than keep living You know in this kind of state of just motions instead of self-consciousness and it would be almost easier to go back to living how we did because it's hard to deal hard to deal with all this stuff that we haven't dealt with and you i you mentioned i want to say in the bio you gave us to put on our website that um you know you're a grief specialist well how do you how do you start it how do you begin the journey there how because that's it's that's the hardest step i mean in any any field starting to play a sport starting a podcast the start is always the hardest so what did you run into a time for me my my journey it started when i held the gun to my head and i i called the other person and they were like dude what are you doing like i can't believe you're doing this if you do this i don't know where i'm gonna be and then i had to put the phone or put my gun down so that's the moment where i was like okay no i have to start there's something inside of me that i have to deal with is there
1: any like any one moment that you could think of? Yeah, I can. About three months after my son took his life, I was laying on his grave. You know, I was a CEO, I worked for the governor, I was a legislator, I had owned a business before, you know, I was, for for most of my adult life, society would see me as a successful person, woman. The fact is, I was broken. my heart was shattered you know that second that my son took his life the second that I found out the life that I was living before was no longer now I have this big huge piece that came into my life into my heart you can imagine your heart shattered on the floor and and you have to put it back together like a puzzle but yet you have this big huge piece in the middle to add to that, that puzzle and so Everything else that used to matter no longer mattered. And I found myself laying on my son's grave, begging, pleading, wishing, whoever, whatever took my son to please take me to. I wanted to die as well. And suddenly, I had this, this I'm not going to call it a voice, but I heard these words from my higher self, um, is that if this happened in your life, you're meant to do something with it. Now get up and do it. And I, I jumped in to reacting. Um, and I had the voice. I had the media outlets. I had the ability to be the voice for suicide prevention and awareness. And so every time I did an interview, I, it took me out. It took me out for days or, or at least a week. You know, it, it took me out because I was punishing myself for the actions, the choice my son made. And I I just want to say anybody who is considering and taking their lives, I want you to know that it's going to touch more than 136 people. There was a recent study that was done in um, Canada in a university that said every suicide that happens, it touches at least 136 people. Now put yourself in my shoes. I was a public figure for most of my adult life. And you think about how many people it touched in that way. It touched my employees, it touched my board members, it touched the legislators, it touched the governor, it touched my daughter, her friends, my friends, their family, my son's friends, their family, you know, it just, it continues to expand. So you're left with, with all of these emotions that we often ignore, mask, and avoid. We often do that. And the more that we do that, now it could be overworking or punishing yourself like I did. Now, now, frankly, it's okay that I did because I helped people, I saved, by me speaking out, it saved other people's lives. And so for me in that moment, and even today, it was the right thing to do. But about a year after that, not quite a year, it was the, the year anniversary of, my, of, of Logan's um, uh, transition. And I had this outburst in the middle of a committee. So I lobbied for the association that I was the executive at. And I was sitting in front of you know, economic development committee because they were gonna make some kind of change. And I just went off. Like they said something and I was like, this is ridiculous. This is like, I went off on these people. It was like the feather that broke the camel's back. I was so angry with what happened with me that I was lashing out at others. And I knew in that moment that I needed to go get help, that I needed to start to deal with my own self-punishment. And so I started to go through cognitive thought therapy. That was my first step. Well, that wasn't my first step. I used mediums. I I did energy healing. Like, I did everything I could to try to work through and connect with my son. Say, I'm sorry. Um, I love you. Please forgive me. You know, like, all this stuff. And every time I went to a different medium. Matter of fact, a medium is what, is how I found out that my son had written a note. Because the note was hidden from me. Um, And so... There are different means of, of or different avenues that we can use, we can take. You know, when I work with my clients, I often tell them, you know, these are the things I can share with you and what worked for me. Let me help you. You know, I guide them through it. I, you know, I'm a master uh, coach as well, so I'm not only coaching them, but I'm also a master healer. So I help them work through the emotions that are trapped in their body. Because while their heart wants something different, their head's saying and their body's saying that they're programmed, that this is, the program is that they've done something wrong. So you have to go into your body and find where you're holding this guilt from earlier times in your life um, and how you're you're responding to life based on your earlier experiences. I'm gonna say another thing and then i let you, I'm go you jump in.
0: All For stories, programs, stories
1: yeah we're programmed from zero to eight years old how we're going to react or respond to life so whatever occurred in your life between zero and eight you start to react to life based on that So I'll use me as an example my grandfather touched me inappropriately at 18 months old my father was an abusive alcoholic my birth father was an abusive alcoholic um, and so as a program, that, the program I had was I had to live in fear to, to create safety. So I was always on guard on what's happening. So I'm always trying to manage my life. So I had the program that I wasn't worthy of love. I had the program that, that I, you know, I wasn't lovable. I was, I was um, unworthy and I continued to create those experiences in my life. I've been married three times. I've joined three different religions. I've like I like I kept seeking on the outside to prove that I was worthy. And let me just say that I didn't only seek that. I also sought success. So every step that I took to be better, to look better, to be to be accepted on the outside was never enough. So even as a legislator, I was elected four different times. I worked for the governor for seven years as a housing and transportation and homeless director for the Agency of Human Services. I worked in policy development with with, with the governor. That wasn't enough. So then I became a CEO of a large commercial contractors association. That wasn't enough. But when my son died, I knew the way I was living wasn't working. So I had to go within and reprogram my body. So we're basing our experiences in life on our three year old self our five year old self, our five year old is directing how we respond to our life until it's not until we become aware that we can go in and find it, create a new story. Because there's more information in every experience I've had. My, my father shot at me um, or shot at us when we were, I don't know, four or five, you know, it kind of all came together, you know, it's all. and, you know, when my mother was trying to protect us, she put my sister and my mother, my sister's three years older than me she put, they got in the bathtub, closed the bathroom door, they brought in the bathroom, they got in the bathtub. My mother put me, because I was the smallest, but I didn't know that at the time, between the toilet and the wall. And so in that moment, I felt, what about me? I'm abandoned, I'm not worthy to be protected. At that that very young age, there was a program that I'm not good enough to be saved. That absolutely was not the case. As I went in with this program that I use with people, this process that I use with people, I was able to reprogram that experience. And my mother did the best she could with all that she had to protect us all. and the my moment, father, too, with her mind racing. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. She did the best she could with what she knew. And there wasn't enough room for me. So the safest place for me was actually where I was. (laughs) But the program was so strong, I found myself in another situation as an adult, hiding in the bathroom between the wall and the toilet. That was my go to that was like the instant where am I the safest I, I went there, I didn't think about it. It's just I found myself saying, Oh, my gosh, I'm repeating the same thing I experienced as a kid. Wow. And now, I also see, I hold deep compassion for my parents. My birth father had a worse life than I could ever even imagine. And so he was doing the best he could with what he knew, with the love he could hold.
0: Right. That's it. it, It's it's the most underappreciated job in the world. That's what me and my mom have been talking about recently. It's just parenting in general. you're supposed to be there. The kid, the kid has the ideas. You are here to protect me until I'm 18, and you have that idea all the way until you're 18. So you think, you know, what? Why is my dad not protecting me? Why? Why? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> like, well, they're trying their best to protect you. I yeah, just like you. Until I was about 24, I just turned 25 yesterday. It's, I didn't realize, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. I didn't realize, you know, my parents are also living their own life and they went through the same thing I I'm going through with their parents, you know, so they did their own thing and they lived their own life. They went through their own struggles and maybe they still haven't dealt with it yet. Maybe, like you said, they still got the piling up and they still haven't gone back and dealt with whatever this is. Back then it was work until it goes away. So (laughs) that generation is known for that. And, it just took me a while to, to really realize, you know, our parents are also people and they are trying their best They're especially, you know, I've, I can look back on all my experiences, just, you know, just like you're saying and, and see, no, my mom and dad have been always been doing what's best for me. What they thought in the moment is what's best for me. Yeah. And as a kid, it's hard to, it's hard to think that way when you have bad things happen to you, it's, you know, bad things happen. You don't know how to deal with it first one to blame is the parents because they're supposed to save you from all the bad things
1: (laughs) yeah and there's generational trauma Trevor that we carry so you know in the indigenous community and the plant medicines and also there's been science that shows that we're carrying seven generations back and we project seven generations forward so all of the trauma and experiences that your parents went through that they didn't deal with or your grandparents went through that they didn't deal with or your great grandparents and you go down the line anything that they experienced in their life that they didn't create a new story around you're carrying in your in your soul and so it's about creating new awarenesses and seeing the experiences as that not as a trauma, not as someone hating you, not as someone not protecting you. It's seeing it as their experiences here that are teaching moments for us. They're teaching moments. So we get to go in and feel the feelings that we're feeling instead of masking them. Now, masking them doesn't mean just drugs and alcohol. Masking them could be overworking, could be overexercising, could be overeating, undereating. Like it, there is a a host of ways to respond to not deal with the emotions you're feeling. But what's happening when you don't deal with the emotions and you don't feel what you're feeling, it's ruling your life because you keep creating the same thing based on what your programs are. So you go in and reprogram your body. Today, I'm a different person than I was even five years ago, three years ago, a year ago, because I'm committed to exploring what I'm holding, with it's limiting beliefs, blocks, or programs in, our, in my body, I continue to do it today because we're never done. they are experiences. This is a journey. Life is a journey. Grief is a journey. And I even came back from Ecuador and Costa Rica. I was like, what are we really grieving? What are we really grieving? The human body may, not long, may no longer be here when I'm talking about suicide or drug overdose or loss of a child in general, or loss of a friend or, or family member. We get caught up in, in the the grief of the human body not being here. And our own guilt, our own self-blame, our own shame, around any experience, the, the unfinished business, so to speak. That we haven't completed with a particular person or an experience with a job loss even they're experiences for our growing opportunity for our ability to, to take it as a teaching go in our body reprogram that limiting belief and find the teaching from it and use the wisdom and let go of the pain now it's not a mind thing it's a body thing it's a heart thing You're bringing your mind and your heart together versus just always operating in your head. Because your head keeps you safe, your heart keeps you in flow.
2: I wanted to ask like, um, sorry about your son is all I can really say about that, but was there a point after he took his own life where it, it kind of started to look up? Maybe like you said, you know, I can make something positive out of this. I don't have to hate myself.
1: Well, my intention, you know, when I was laying on the grave, uh, was to make something take to to help others with it. So the positive started from that. However, the positive, I would say I was the wounded healer, so to speak, that I was still living my wounds, and trying to heal from there trying to help others from there. And instead of focusing on others, I brought it back to me. And saying i need to work through whatever's here inside me so i can show up even better show up more as a light in this world so i think it was progress
0: yeah i wanted to ask um because when i was going through the suicidal ideations i Mm -hmm. i didn't even yeah i didn't call my mom or dad and i don't know why i still have no reason i even now i'm like why why wouldn't i like now now where i'm at now i'm like this it'd be completely outlandish not to call them why do you think there's such a big disconnect between the parent and the kid and especially in a in a subject like that you think uh, it just makes so much logical sense that'd be the first person you call when you go through something so whatever it is when you're going through something bad or you are thinking of doing something like that why why is there such a big disconnect there what
1: Well, what I'm sensing and what I've heard from the clients that I've, you know, most kids don't reach out to their parents. I will say that, that from the clients that I've worked with, most kids don't reach out to their parents. There, I, you know, I'm not in their head, so I can't tell you this, but maybe you can tell us, Trevor, that there's shame wrapped around the thought that you would even consider taking your life. And how could you burden your parents with that? Because your parents would try to talk you out of it. Your parents would try to, you know, they won't understand, you know, kids always think parents don't understand. Because parents want to fix it, right? Yeah. And so just being seen. So that's the other thing I help people work through. You know, I have a daughter still here. She's 33. And no, I wasn't 12 when I had her. So <laughs> um, she's she and I have had an even better relationship now. Because today, instead of me trying to fix everything she talks to me about, I ask her, what is it that you need from me right now? Do you need me to brainstorm with you? Do you need me to just hold you? Do you need me to um, fix it for you? Or do you just need me to listen because I'm here for you? Those are simple questions, but they're profound questions because everybody just wants to be seen.
0: Yeah, everyone want
1: wants to be to talk understood about themselves. They want to be understood. They want to they want to feel like they're worthy.
2: That took me like so, forever to realize like with my wife when she's complaining about like work, let's say. She's not looking for a solution every single time. Sometimes she most times she just wants to be told she's not crazy. But like if if I told Trevor hey, I am having this problem at work and he was like, "Yeah, you know what, Kev, you all all right to be upset about that." I'm like, that doesn't do yeah. me any good, bro. Like <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah. she wanted right. to be heard though, not not to have her issues solved, let's say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And on the on that's- the shame aspect, it I think I can not answer the question because that is right. That's exactly what it is. And that's how I feel. Even now, I feel I don't know if it's shame anymore, but After the fact, it was shame because the person who did pick up the phone was my little brother. And now my Mm -hmm. little brother has to deal with that. I went through that while he was dealing with it, too. So he was going through a depressive state as well. And he had to pick up the phone to hear me, his big brother, who he thought was there to protect him the whole time, call him and say, dude, I'm at the end of the line. And now in my even still now, it's it kind of hurts me because as I always see him as the little kid, the little brother that I should be protecting. And now I've burdened. like you said, I've placed this burden on him and it's not, it's, I almost don't even want to use the word burden because it's not, it's, I don't think that's, the right it's word. a job that we're all here to do for each other at the beginning. Anyways, it's not a burden. we this is what we're here to do. Be there for each other, be there as a community. And it's, it's it's not a burden. You're, you're here to save my life. I don't know how that's a burden, you know, and he doesn't see it that way either. So I don't know, maybe that's just the way the mind messes with you.
1: (laughs) And it is the mind. It is the mind, Trevor. The mind is, is projecting on you that you have a choice. You can make a decision for someone else. So let's just talk about that. You know, your brother picked up the phone. What an honor for him to know that he saved your life. He helped you to put that gun down. He helped you. So what an honor for your younger brother to be able to be there for you. So just holding him in that love and compassion and appreciating him for that and being forever grateful for that. Because being in this human body is a gift. It's a gift. most of my life I questioned what love is like what does love really feel like most of my life I didn't know what love really felt like you know when you I just didn't know I just kept seeking what is love what is love what is love I don't understand but I sat in a plant medicine ceremony well it wasn't plant it was actually um bufo so it was um uh toad venom so whatever (laughs) but (laughs) we can talk about medicines the plant medicines and how they help but the i had the experience of like love is is like the infinite it's infinity of light and peace and joy and when you're in that experience you realize that that as a being, I am, I am lucky to be here to be able to share that light with others. And the only way I can be here and share that light with others is in this human body. And so honoring the human body and being like, yeah, these are experiences. We came here to have experiences. We came here to, to, to release the ancestral pain that we're carrying the generational pain that we're carrying. And I want to remind you of what I said earlier, seven generations forward. So everything that you reprogram in your body, mind, and soul, you're reprogramming it for anybody seven years forward. So any work that I do for myself, I'm also clearing it for my daughter. She's no longer carrying it. I'm also clearing it for my ancestors. They're no longer carrying it. So my you know, I've seen a shift in my relationships with my mom and my adopted dad and my sister. You know, my sister I didn't speak with for years. I really projected a lot of blame and shame and and judgment toward her because she she was choosing the path of what she knew. So the path of what she knew was the abuse she she received abuse most of her life she you know she really didn't love herself yeah i was passing judgment on her because i was like hey if i'm doing all this you can too which <laughs> yeah. is just so crazy when we stop and think about it because if someone else is feeling shame or or unworthiness me projecting judgment onto her only causes more of that so today I can just love my parents and my sister, my family, just for who they are. I don't have to, just because I make choices doesn't mean someone else has to make the same choices. It's their journey. How we show up in their journey matters. So if you're carrying guilt for calling and your brother picking up and he's feeling that, so you get to go in and say, you know, there's a reason why the higher power source, God, whatever you want to call, you know, all that is.
0: I like what you said earlier. What was it? Your higher self. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. There was a reason my higher self said this person, call this person, (laughs) this person will answer, you know, there's, and I think, I think a lot of, a lot of people would benefit from calling it their higher self instead of a God figure. Right. To... right. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah that... And your, your brother's yeah. higher self said, I'll pick up the phone. <laughs> he could have been, he could have been watching a movie and ignoring it. He could have been, you know, in the middle of something and just not pick, not been there, not been available, but uh, the infinite intelligence had him pick up that phone.
2: I mean, yeah, you could almost look at that like us, Trevor. Like we tell each other all of our problems, right? And it's like, yeah. do we burden each other with that, with those struggles? It's like, I think it's almost the opposite. Like to me, it's not a burden where Trevor tells me that like I helped him out. Like to me, that's, it's almost a privilege to be able to
1: That's how I see my job. That's how I, I love what I do. Because what I do is to create a space that's safe and passionate compassionate with zero judgment on anything someone tells me. I've been through just about everything that (laughs) someone has told me, just about everything, with the exception of a few things, but um, yeah. And even if I haven't, I know it's their journey. And by creating space that's safe to allow people to talk about it. And so some people are um, verbal processors. Some people are silent processors. I'm a verbal processor. So when I call up a friend and say, listen, I have this, you know, like I'm being triggered right now. I'm being you know, like, there's something going on here and I need to talk it out. Will you create this space for me so I can just talk it out? And I can come up with my own solutions just by talking it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just having so, so by create,
1: Yeah. Creating space is about community. It's creating space for people and, I think and accepting people them for people. just who they are.
2: Like, when people are vulnerable with each other, I think that's such a powerful kind of thing. Like, it's such a show. Like, you're placing all of your trust in that person when you're vulnerable with them. So, like, when my parents are vulnerable with me and they say, you know, I didn't make enough. My dad, like, he didn't he didn't make enough money, he thought, so therefore he's a failure. And I'm like, dude, that's... Like, I felt, like, honored to hear that because I could reassure him, like, you're a great dad. You were there for me for everything. And that, I think, is such a powerful tool for older people, Mm -hmm. especially is being vulnerable with those younger than you and sharing your struggles with them.
1: Yeah, it was interesting you brought that up, Kev, because um, uh, November, I think it was, uh, my mom fell again, she's in her 80s. And um, she'd fallen twice in one year and broke some bones. And I just had this feeling like she's not going to have much time left. And so I flew to Vermont. I'm, I'm on the West Coast. Like, I'm as far west as you can get, and they're almost as far east as you can get. So I flew there for a weekend. And my intention was to ask her about her life, to free her, to, to let her speak whatever her, she, her experiences <clears throat> experiences were. So I asked her questions like, what was the best thing that's ever occurred to you in your life? What was the hardest thing? Tell me about that. Um, what are you most proud of? What do you, what's the thing that you're most ashamed of? You know, asking the questions to free her from it. And, and it was a weekend. So it was intense for me to go and explore this without projecting my belief on whether she was going to leave this earth or not. my intention was to go and create safe and compassionate space for my mother to be able to talk about where she is. And by the end of the weekend, we were sitting at the table and she said, she calls me Kathy, but she's like, Kathy, I need to ask you a question. I said, what is that? And she goes, will you tell me if you came here because you just wanted to visit or if you came here because you know that I don't have much longer to live? And I said, you know well mom you are in your 80s kind of lightened it up a little <laughs> I don't know how much longer you think you're living but um and and so then I said it really doesn't matter why I came you know what do you feel it doesn't matter what my thoughts were Is what what are you feeling and she broke down crying and she could cre- and I created a space so where we could have an uncomfortable conversation with the family about what she wanted and and by creating that space i was able to create space for her so she could release whatever she was holding she could remember the good things she could be she could have the conversation about what's after you know the buffo experiences that i've had is that all there is is infinite love and when we talk about love here, we have no idea what that love is. Like it is just magnificent, bright energy of just love. And it, and where we are so minute that that we're really very um, like insignificant, yet we're so significant because our energy, is, is intertwined with all that is and so we don't have to get big in our head about who we are we just know that that energy our energy is, affects everyone's energy so when I show up and continue to go deeper into what I'm carrying that's painful from the experience I, I you know I say keep the wisdom from the experience process see the pain move it through and and receive the wisdom and let the pain go now letting the pain go is a process but it's 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 really being in the moment and experiencing your your feelings not projecting out into the future and not living in the past living in the past causes depression projecting into the future causes anxiety because you're projecting into the future where you are right now so if you're in a space of despair you're projecting that life is not going to be any different. But that's based on your stories you've told yourself. There's infinite possibilities that the stories could be. So when you're in the moment, allowing the feelings to flow in a healthy way, not masking them, not reacting, really going inward to feel what you're feeling, you end up not projecting that out out into the world.
2: Yeah, that took me a while to realize cuz like I've always kind of been that guy that helps other people, right? And mm-hmm. so like for instance when Trevor was having problems with his wife and then I was the one to find out that she was cheating on him and he's deployed, it's like that was so hard for me to have to tell him because here's this soldier that I'm charged with, you know, in his well-being is my responsibility and he's over here hurting and I can't help him. Literally like one of the most helpless situations I've ever been in. Right. But then in my Mm. head, I'm thinking, you know, this isn't really about me, but you know, it took me a while to realize like it could be bad for both of us. Like that's okay to say, you know, it was hard for him and it was hard for me too.
1: Yeah, exactly. So another thing, you know, when you see someone else in pain, creating a compassionate space and just being love for them is more helpful than taking their pain on. We often take on other people's pain, right? And so what you're doing is magnifying the pain. You're not taking it away. You're just adding, adding more pain. So just, Right.
2: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. yeah right hey. she's your mom yeah I did right hey. Right. Yeah. Like my thought. Yeah. I didn't even have a solution. Cause like I had never been in that situation. Thank God. But it's like, I was thinking more of like, yeah, I've never been in this situation, but we're going to get through it together.
1: Yeah, exactly. In a way. Yeah. Being there that, I mean, really it's about being there. It's asking questions. You know, what's the most hurtful thing here? What's the most painful thing right now? You know? And what's so painful about it? And I'm sorry. There's I don't know what to say. How can I help you? You know, the best question is, like, what do you need from me? Yeah, it's yeah. the best question. Yeah. What do you need from me? That's
2: why Trevor wears his emotions on his sleeve. You, you could always tell what he needs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know,
0: you know when there's something wrong with me. Oh,
2: yeah, dude. Like, (laughs) you recognize people, and you could tell when there's something wrong, right? And it's like, you know, when someone's in that situation, yeah, you don't really have to have a solution every single time. Sometimes they just need someone there for them to kind of be that that rock almost, because you know, in their life, well, in reality, their whole life is changing. It's like what they left, the life that they left when they did go overseas is gone forever, right? So it's a real confusing time. And they people really need that kind of consistency and that rock to help get them through that.
1: Yeah. And if you don't feel, you know, I mean, this is a great conversation. If you don't feel like you can voice your feelings, you know, like verbally, and you're feeling angry, or you just, like, the emotions are so strong, you have no idea what you're feeling, start writing it out. You know the, another tool just write and burn it there don't worry about the sentence don't don't sentence completion don't worry about the spelling don't worry about how much you're spewing anger onto the paper and hate whatever it is let it out of your body because you can burn it afterwards no one has to see it you're just getting it out of your body
0: Yeah, just that's, by writing that's yeah that's what i've been doing i mean these last couple days. I've been trying to write a full page each day because yeah, I mean, I should be able to fill up a full page of paper about my day and what happened. <laughs> if I can't, mean, with, what did I really mind, do today? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, no, I did want to ask because when I first joined the Army, I as someone who didn't struggle with PTSD and have it, hadn't been around it at all, someone completely new to it, I didn't even understand what it is. So you know, the the kids that do have a good foundation and a good supportive system growing all up, they don't necessarily have to run into an issue like PTSD. So we kind of have part of the population not knowing what it is because <laughs> it's hard to understand what it is unless you've been through something like that. Could mm-hmm. you describe PTSD to a person like that,
1: a person who just doesn't know? Mm-hmm. PTSD doesn't have to do with just a major trauma. It doesn't have to do with death or shooting someone or fear of, of, of your life. PTSD could, you could be triggered from early childhood trauma. So for it is, it is caused a lot from your mind swirling and getting caught up in your thoughts versus actually dealing with what's happening in your body. And it's reprogramming i mean there's a program within you that's causing you to live in fear and anxiety and that is caused from the experiences that you've had and the experience doesn't have to be traumatic to you or me it can be traumatic to them rape you know that's that would be a pt that could be a ptsd uh experience The loss of a job could be a ptsd experience because it could be triggering something else that you've experienced that you haven't dealt with so five years into my son's suicide i had been doing intense work through cognitive thought therapy and some other um, energy healing some other things and i was coming up onto the five-year anniversary of my son's uh, transition and said to my therapist I was like I I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing you know I'm I'm stepping into it the right way I'm doing the work it's been difficult but I'm doing the work and I still feel numb I don't feel love I'm angry you know like I don't get it and so we did this um, she asked if I would fill out this questionnaire and ultimately I had I was reacting to the PTSD from my childhood that I hadn't really dealt with and it wasn't my son's transition that caused the PTSD it was my it was the the experience of my son i was dealing with that but what i wasn't dealing with was the triggers from earlier childhood and so that started the process i did a 15 to 18 week PTSD treatment Um, with my cognitive thought therapist extremely intense was not easy and it was one of the best things I've ever done one of the best things I've ever done because that's where I started to be able to see that there was more to the story that was that I was telling myself in anything there was more to the story that I was only telling myself what I thought I knew but the fact was there was much more and I kept programming myself to believe that no one loves me. You know, everyone's judging me. I can't depend on anyone. I don't trust anyone, you know, like all of that stuff, which isn't true. It's just not true. Even when you think you can't depend on everyone, there is someone in your life you can depend on. Someone is there. Yep. We just don't see it. Like, I don't know see. if I explained it well for you, but that it, it is a reaction or response to something that has caused a disconnect from your head and your heart.
2: I think it's like important to touch on too. Like, there's a lot of misconceptions about PTSD, especially with like us being soldiers in the military. Everyone thinks it's like you waking up in the middle of the night screaming, all this you know crazy stuff. You know, it's like it, it could just be something simple. I remember my wife was going through nursing school and she was on the psych semester and she'd come home and be mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know how you forget stuff a lot? Like that's a traumatic response. Like our friend Jay, like he runs into stuff like physically. And it's like, that's a, you know, a traumatic response too. It's like, it's not always going to be you waking up in the middle of the night screaming. It could be something as small as forgetting something or getting anxiety where you don't really kind of need to, I guess.
1: Right. And it can also be a lifelong process. You know, I was forty-four when my son transitioned. Um, no, was I forty-four? 2010. This is thirty yes, I was forty-four. <laughs> <laughs> um and it was it was after that, it was five years after, so I was forty-nine years old before I realized I was reacting. I was in that PTSD uh, response. So my response throughout my life was to seek others for approval, others, other love to, to be accepted, to be loved. I was continuing to seek that because I wanted to create safety in my life. But what I was doing is I was choosing people in my life that couldn't be there because I wasn't there for myself. Because I was experiencing the fact, my, rea- my response, reaction in life was always being on the outlook. I could walk into a room and I could tell you instantly that shit was going to go down. The second thing started to, to go south, I knew before anyone else knew. Because I was on guard. I was always on guard. So I tried to fix it before it actually happened
2: that's a big thing so that's
1: really a ptsd do. response
2: like that's tr- i do an- that a lot <laughs> anticipating situation well we were at the movies yesterday me and my wife and i thought like we were before the movie started my girl like, oh, someone were shooting this thing up what would i do and i was like oh, I-, I read through the whole situation in my head like i pull my wife down then like i'm crawling over the aisle you know it's like that's not really a normal thought process to have when i'm gonna see the big lebowski <laughs>
1: yeah well, maybe it is now, because there's so much that's happening. And what the news and society is focusing on is the traumas that are happening. The and, and not that we shouldn't be. This should be spoken about. We should be, you know, there's a debate whether there should be guns or no guns. That debate is going to continue. There's going to be all kinds of, I'm not going to get into that debate. But I will tell you, There's an emotional and mental health process that's got to start to happen here. It needs to start early. We need to start teaching our children and our parents that the more that people are able to experience the emotions that are flowing through, the healthier they'll be. Ignoring the fact that people are angry or we're teaching them not to address their issues and we're only expanding those issues. It's lot easier to not address you. them.
0: That's that's like uh, Well, is it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Is it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> In the short so, term, it is. I mean.
1: <laughs> because listen, if I addressed my issues early on, I wouldn't have been married three times. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's know? where I'm at too. I, yeah. <laughs> I would to joined three different religions searching, searching for outside approval. It's really working within and knowing that we are all we are all divine light, all of us. And we get to choose whether we want to live in that light or continue to cause pain for ourselves, the unnecessary suffering. So we get to choose that. So, yeah, is it hard in the moment? Listen, going through ayahuasca ceremonies, over 30 ayahuasca ceremonies, I can tell you, puking and, you know, that <laughs> purging from every orifice of your body and seeing things that that could be pretty dark is not fun but i can tell you it's an opportunity to create new stories and to see things differently and that's no longer st- stuck in my body so the life i live today is amazing it's not perfect no one's life is perfect <laughs> you know yeah i have challenges too. Like I said, I didn't leave my house for close to 10 days after my you know, coming back from Ecuador. But I also know my body. I also know what's happening. And I allow I allow things to happen for me. Like my body is guiding me. My heart is guiding me now. It's not my head. No. Yeah. Smart enough. And I use my intellect for sure. And I continue to study. Yet that's not the ruler. My heart's the ruler. If I have this gut feeling not to do something, I don't do it. But if I have this gut feeling to do something, if I get a thought in my head and I know it's guidance, I am doing it. Even if I don't know how it's going to happen, I'm doing it because I know I'm being guided by my higher power. My higher self. You want to go
0: into a little bit more into the ayahuasca (laughs) and plant medicine. I'm curious about your experiences. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So now I've sat with ayahuasca, iboga, cambo, combo, they call it, combo, bufo, uh, uh, psilocybin, cannabis, and I've sat in all of those in a ceremonial process. Now, I'm not going to advocate and I don't advocate for recreational in any of this. It's not recreational. I have a deep reverence for what the medicines can do for us. And, you know, some people can't, you know, if you're schizophrenic or bipolar, you know, you have some of those those issues, really check to see if if it's right for you. And for me, plant medicine called me. You know, ayahuasca was the first medicine that called me. I was sitting in a training with Jack Canfield. For those of you who don't know, he's the one that wrote, you know, the 100 plus books of chicken soup for the soul. Um, he does success training now. and. So I was sitting in there, and, and ayahuasca came up, and it, and I was like, oh, what is that? And I was called for a year before I actually did it, before I, because I, once I looked it up, I was like, hell no, I'm <laughs> not doing that. <laughs> you know, you're seeing visions and you're puking, and you know, again, orifices, <laughs> everything. <laughs> like you have no control over what's happening. You're shaking. You're crying. You're like, yeah, you're sweating. You're f- You know, you're cold. It's all kinds of purging that's happening. You're crying, you're yawning. Your purge could be yawns as well. It can be anything. But for, what ayahuasca did for me was it helped me to see where I was blocking my own life. You know, my first ayahuasca journey, I was, the journey I had, I was frozen. Like I couldn't move and I, and I felt like I was frozen in a closet knowing that someone was going to sexually abuse me. And there was this, this freeze of, if I move, they're going to see if I breathe, they're going to see, like it brought back the visions that I actually was trapping myself in.
0: Wow.
2: Okay. So once,
1: once I was in it and you know, there's breathing processes. There's like, they say, go, you know, if you have a, a choice to go into the unicorn over here or the dark, dark door, you go into the dark door. Cause that's, what's trapping you. Yeah. Not the unicorn. Don't go for a ride on the unicorn. Go into the darker because that's what's causing the pain that you're, you're in right now. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have control of my body. I can move it. No one's here right now. And so it was like purging that experience from my body. That's
0: insane. You and
1: reprogramming that... that I'm living in fear of being sexually abused. My younger kid was ruling my life today because I still had that trapped in my body. But by going through that experience, it was no longer because I could reprogram that it, that that fear that I didn't have to live in that fear. And every ceremony of every medicine is different for everybody. It's not not one is ever the same. But I will tell you that the plant medicines have made a significant difference in my life.
0: Yeah. When I I, I take psilocybin it's not I mean mm-hmm. I don't do it with a therapist or anything I know I should but we'll get there when we get there okay. but yeah. I do feel um like you said it's almost like I have chills the whole time like just yeah. negative energy coming off my body at all time my hair sticking up just yeah. I can almost feel it just kind of coming whether I'm doing it consciously or not I feel in my body the whole time like stuff almost lifting from it it's it's hard to describe yeah. if you've never done it before
1: well do you go and so one of the things that i do is that anytime i microdose as well um any and i live in oregon so it's legal <laughs> um, uh, and so maybe i shouldn't have said that but anyways uh the microdosing i always go in with an intention I always say please bring me what that, what is in the highest and best for me you know show me what I need or you want me to know and that's a that's a ceremonial process so it, go, it goes back to the conscious living I was talking about in Ecuador oh Wachuma, that was the other thing San Pedro I did two ceremonies of San Pedro in Ecuador and with that it is I see it as an experience for for me, for information, for how to proceed with my business, how to proceed with relationships, like you know, friends, family. But I also see it as an opportunity to explore what's hidden inside me. That's, so yeah, it's that's coming, my biggest it's thing. Go, if it's coming up, it's coming up to go. That was one of my teachers, Jennifer Huff, who Again, another thing that I that I love speaking. If it's coming up, it's coming up to go. So, you know, I had an experience. One of my co-hosts and one of my, which is a very good friend of mine, um, in Costa Rica. We there was some tension. She had something that triggered her. She went back into her old patterns, and I had an intolerance to her old patterns that's just say my 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 ability and and i can see you know like i have an intuitive ability and i can see what she, what she's going through but she couldn't see it so it was hard for me to be able to say not say come on wake up here this is what's happening can't you see you're in your old pattern you know like there was like as a friend you know But I didn't do that, you know, I just stepped back and let her have her process, but I was irritated by it. I was triggered by it. And I also knew if I was triggered by her response or her reaction, there's something inside me that I get to work through.
2: Oh.
1: Her journey is her journey, not mine. So we had this really deep conversation. It was two and a half hours on Zoom, just just about a week ago, talking about Her reaction, my reaction, how it affected us. Like we were able to have a very vulnerable, compassionate, deep conversation that could have been very uncomfortable, but instead of being uncomfortable, we saw it as growth opportunity for both of us, a teaching moment for each of us. And we came to the conclusion, like, oh my gosh, this here, this, I've been single for five years. I have not dated for, well, I, I haven't dated since 2017. So you know, it's almost six years now. And that was intentional because I wanted to go in. If I continue to choose the people that I chose, that's me. That's on me, not them. They're not bad. They're not wrong. It's, But it didn't work. So why keep repeating that? What's happening? <laughs> <That's laughs> no, exactly. <nothing> wrong here. <laughs> yeah. When I went
0: divorced, that's exactly what went through my head was what the hell? Who did I choose? Like what? If I did this once, I could definitely do it again. So I need to right. dive deep here. And people thought I was crazy for eight months, like two a year, I was doing not much at all, but sitting at home, diving deep, just trying
1: to yeah. think like, how the hell did I end up here? <laughs> how? Yeah. And the experience that we had, that I had with her in Costa Rica, created an opportunity for me to be able to have a very deep conversation with someone I love dearly as a friend. And I realized by the end of that conversation that that was for me. That conversation was for me as well because what that taught me is that I could have conversations with people I love and not not have to worry about them abandoning me or me changing how I feel because I want to project what I think they're going to do.
0: Yeah, or keep them around, yeah.
1: Or be fearful that I'm wrong and they're right, or like it, it, there was no judgment, it was just a conversation. So it created the opening for me to know that when I do get into a, a love partnership, that I'm going to be able to have those conversations. And if they choose to leave, that's their choice because they're not meant to, they're not meant for me to begin with. If we can't have those deeper conversations, And I can be vulnerable with my partner without feeling like I'm going to be judged or criticized or, you know, made wrong. You can have different opinions. You don't have to be wrong. So it created an opportunity for me to be able to say, okay, I am safe. Have deeper conversations. I can do this. Yeah, it's it's
0: funny you say it that way because that's exactly how... I learned to love again, and I just I talked to it a little bit with my girlfriend. So when I moved home from the Army, I didn't dive right into a relationship, but the first time I went out, I didn't go out and party or anything. The first time I did, I got with my girlfriend. Then we ended up moving in together, and now we ended up separating a little bit to not live together. Um, but when I first met her, for about four days probably, we were in her, her apartment, not – where I was living, nothing. I, a new place for me, and I just told her pretty much everything that was wrong with me. A girl I just met, <laughs> and here's all the stuff that's wrong with me. But after it, I was able to text her and say, hey, what do you want to do tomorrow? And it was like she wasn't even faced, and she really wanted right. to see me again. I'm like, well, what the hell? I just told you everything wrong with me, and I showed you pictures of, the, of what happened to me. You know everything right now of what is wrong you don't know the good sides but you know the bad sides why are you still here and why are you sticking around but it it taught me because it, it taught me I asked myself those questions I didn't I asked her the questions and I could get the answer but the actions speak louder than words and it really taught me like wow this this is what it means to love someone like you're able to talk about the vulnerability you could open up talk about everything that's wrong not worry about, you know, what, what they're going to think about me or what they're going to think about who, who did what to me, because I don't want them to think my parents are bad because something like this happened to me. You know, it was, it was a shock. It was a shock for sure. It was opening me up to love again because I was just abused, you know?
1: Yeah. Trevor, can I, can I push you a little on something? Yeah, let's do Oh, it.
2: hell yeah. Let's do
1: it. <laughs> um, so what if nothing's really wrong with you? What if there what you've experienced, what you've what you've been through that's that you're carrying are just opportunities for you to release your soul from the pain that you've experienced. What if there's nothing wrong with you?
2: Hmm. Whoa. Never thought about it that way. Yeah. I mean not really about me, but I don't think there's anything wrong with you personally. Yeah.
1: I, right. I don't so know. Yeah. the point yeah. The point i'm trying to make is our words matter so when we talk about ourselves like something's wrong with us or or there's something bad about us then you're telling yourself that you're not complete that you're bad that you're that you know you're wrong yeah yeah no i'm trying to think cause i don't you're not. Try, yeah you're
0: not. I, I don't want to because i don't know i want to say that's almost why people thought i was crazy because i went through what i went through i'm like guys i'm fine like i'm <laughs> dude she cheated on you while you're overseas I'm, like, I'm pretty sure i'm still fine though like i don't feel yeah. bad necessarily it sucks i'll tell you right now the experience sucks but i don't like you said i don't i don't know i never really felt like i was wrong i guess
1: at the end when i started nothing, like what if that? her cheating on okay. you what if her cheating on you had nothing to do with you
2: I mean, no one what if she didn't feel me.
1: complete? What yeah. if she didn't feel complete and she was just seeking what she needed? It had nothing to do with you. While you were married and that is, you know, not part of being a, you know, like unless you have an agreement to be polygamy, polygamous, you know, like that's not how you have a, you know, a, a co-creation. Yet that's my judgment. It's It's knowing... That what she was missing inside she was seeking from someone else
0: right and, and I th- that- it just took me so long to figure that out yeah it, it just okay took it would me have so, been like, anyone i mean the rest of the time i was overseas i was i was thinking like what did i do and then mm-hmm. i i didn't even want to believe it to like kevin sent me the picture of the dude at my house at 6 a.m on a sunday and i thought kevin was lying to me it's like Kevin, come on, dude. You're
2: lying in the driveway. Like, yeah. It, you so told I called me. him.
0: I'm like, dude, you have to be lying to me. And he's like, no, dude, I'm telling you. Like, I'm I, I could see it. <laughs> it's right here. I could see floors right next to me. She's in the car with me. And sh- so she has to yell. No, Trevor, it's right here. And it, it was I was still in disbelief. Like what? What? The first question I asked myself was, what could I have done to be here? I mean, that was. And then while while healing myself, it was what could I what did I do? What did I do? How did, before I meet a new person, what did I do? So
1: I I don't know, I guess. What if you don't don't need to be fixed? Because thinking that we need to be fixed is part of the issue. It's part of the self-judgment. What if we don't need to be fixed? What if every experience we have is an opportunity to see things more clearly, create a new story around it, and be a better person in this life? Where are you undervaluing you?
2: Shit, I can tell you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Kevin. Where am I (laughs) at? I think you're
2: undervaluating your level of resiliency. I think you're undervaluating your level of wisdom at a young age and perspective and appreciation for things that are not permanent, i.e. life itself and relationships and shit. I think that you don't give yourself enough credit for what you've been through and what you can go with. Through now, I think you can go through anything, dude. And I th- like like to hear that. You, like you think there's something wrong with you. It's like I don't think there's anything wrong with you, dude. I think that whatever happened happened, and you can make it through anything now. Just like your and, and two like your ability to uplift others. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Like there has been times where i have just like, you know, fuck, bro it's just sucking but like even at the worst i'm going through with trevor and i i don't think you really appreciate how much you help other people or how much people look up to you and think you know he could do that i can't i'm sorry i mean i'm sorry i'm sorry it takes a lot to give me to cry bro but like for real though like you're you're such a light in so many people's lives and I don't think you really appreciate that. Not like, you know, yeah. you need to appreciate it, but like that it is what it is, you know? Yeah. I, Sorry. I would say
0: all those are pretty accurate. Those are all the th- yeah, those happened, are all the dude. things that I think is like wrong at least.
1: What's wrong? What's wrong though?
0: I think it's cuz I have an idea of who I want to be and I know I don't know. I don't want to say I know either. Cause I don't really know. I like, have, I have an idea of who I want to be. And I know if I don't take the actions to be that person, then I,
2: I'm wrong. Like you're capable of, what if of- you're not, a lot?
1: what if you're not so, yeah, what so let's, let's, let's go a little, let's go a little further on that, Trevor, is that you're projecting into the future, who you want to be in the future. How can you be the best person you can be in this very moment? What are you doing right now? What are you doing? You're you're holding the two of you are holding a podcast with a grief expert that you're sharing through the world. Well, whether there's one person who watches this video or a million people, you are changing the world by showing up and being your vulnerable self here you're teaching people through experience that it's okay to be pushed a little on on a podcast it's okay to be vulnerable you know i've got stories that would make your hair turn (laughs) you know like curl your hair and i'm okay what do you want to know i'll tell you because i don't really (laughs) care what people think of me anymore i'm in the space now that i actually love myself and all the experiences i've had even the ones that i judge myself over years and years and years that I've, t- that I've done today. I'm like, you know, if, if I didn't experience that, I wouldn't be the person I am today for myself or the people I work with. And I yeah, wouldn't be
0: that person. That's what I tell myself a lot. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, yeah. Why we started the podcast. I couldn't be doing the podcast without that experience. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful for the experience. I've, I think just, I don't know. It's like um it's like 10%. Like 10% is still dragging me down about it all. Just because I know I went I went through it and not I didn't cause it, but I was there and the experience, there's still experiences out there like it. So it's I don't know. It's not fearful. It's just more I I did it, and there's it feels like that it's a never ending process to get better from that experience like i'm I'm never done learning from the experience so it's like a constant well, what if,
1: so what if you change the story around that what if you change the story around that to say this experience has given me the opportunity to continue along this journey to see see what's coming up in the moment so where i can work through that the best way i can and be a be a better person from it. And so I see my my journey, so that's the way I used to look at my healing journey. It's like, when is this ever gonna end? <laughs> when is this ever gonna end? Like, oh my God, there's so much shit that keeps coming up. It's like, where, how did that all stick inside me? Yet now I see it as like, not a healing journey, it's a life's journey. Like every experience I have is an opportunity for me to continue to check in and be guided by my higher self versus my head telling me that society thinks this that i shouldn't do that because this will happen we're projecting into the future that we don't know so why not create a future that's good versus creating the future of bad like kev you said it earlier you went to a movie and you created this whole future of what would happen in your head like if this happened, then this is what I'm gonna do. And so your your body went into this automatic response, you know, like um card zone response of like, I gotta be on guard. Yeah. Automatically. But instead of creating that scenario, okay, you've created it, great, thank you for protecting us. We've got that experience. Now, how can I enjoy this movie the best way I can? How can I just be present in this movie? Oh my gosh, I'm here with my wife. We get to see this movie. It's in the middle of the day. Who gets to do that? This is awesome. You know, I don't know if it was in the middle of the day or not, but I mean, create the story that you want to live, not the story you don't want to live.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I thought because it's almost like an intrusive thought, you know, me thinking the worst thing is going to happen. But then after I thought that, I'm like, you know, this is going to if I keep dwelling on this, it's going to prevent me from actually enjoying this experience. Right. So it's like right. then I'm a very logical guy, like odds are I'm just going to enjoy this movie and that'll be it. Right. So, yeah. And uh, Then I was able to kind of like appreciate the moment. Like I'm here with my wife. We don't go on dates very often. So like that's a special thing. We're watching right. The Big Lebowski, one of my favorite movies. Like this is a dope time. And yeah. I should just kind of be here in the moment, appreciate it
1: yeah and so it's also not judging that you had the thought. So I want to oh. make sure that we we say that as well is that, yeah, so I had that thought, Oh, thank you for letting me know that, And I'm not going to let you rule my life.
2: yes, I didn't really think about the thought really. I was like, well, I got a plan, you know, that's about all I can do if this is this is going to happen or it's not. I got a plan now, so really not more else to do on that. Now. <laughs>
1: there's also a process you can go in to your body and find where you're holding that automatic response and we re- reprogram that, which is what I use with my, my clients as well. So it'll have to be the next podcast we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it takes longer and yeah.
2: <laughs> well, shit. Let me ask you this then kind of final question is you use the word transition with your son. Mm hmm. And i think that's
1: very deliberate why do you use that word it is deliberate and thank you for noticing because i don't believe any of us die you know we are energy energy does not die what is no longer is the physical presence it's the human body that that our soul is in that's no longer and so it could be that my son's soul was set free or transitioned into all that he is you know it 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 is releasing the package and this is not an encouragement you know the pain that's left behind with any death when i say death it's what society says when anybody's leaving this earth yeah when everyone anyone is leaving this earth it is real and it is hard and it it is a pain that is created from an experience. So then it just, it's just something that someone else has to go through, the 136 plus people who's touched by one suicide every day. And when you have, you know, 16.8 uh, vets dying every day, you know, that's touching a lot of people on a daily basis by suicide alone. So transition for me is that he left his body, And he was set free into this world, so where I can learn, and I've learned, to be able to communicate with the energy of that, to be able to see, you know, the and because of my Bufo experiences, I know what all that is, feels feels like, and I'm glad he's able to shine his light and help the millions of people that he helps by working with me and sharing my experience. So transition is is deliberate, for sure, because I don't believe we die. I wrote it down,
0: too.
2: His name is Logan, you said?
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah. He's looking
2: down on us now. I believe he is.
0: Yes, he is. is. Yeah, thank you to him. Thank you to you. Um, This will be a podcast I watch over and over. Um, Oh, my God. I can't help but feel that you're this um i don't know it's a it's a motherly figure for sure and and especially in my eyes it definitely feels that way um it's it's nice to know that a random person's in my corner um especially for the people that don't know there's people in their corner (laughs) um that's it's very nice to have that that feeling especially through someone i've never met so for that i thank you I thank your son as well and your family who has brought you here. Um it's been unbelievable. Thank you
1: so much. Yeah. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah. And I yeah. love that you said that it's a motherly feeling because at least three other clients that I can think of right off the top of my head said the space that you create is like a motherly love that's beyond any mother's that they have experienced. It's like so, a
2: warmth, yeah. It's like, I don't know what, I couldn't put my finger on it, but like, I'm glad that you have it because
1: I think it could affect a lot of change. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say that I do have a program that's coming up. If people are listening and, you know, we're going to start in July, it's a six month program on dealing with going deeper, your rebirth of your grief. And at the end, we're going to Ecuador for a plant medicine ceremony retreat for a week. And there'll be other shamanic practices we'll be doing. So um, if you're interested in joining, it's an application process because we need to know that you can actually participate in the plant medicines, that you're ready to jump into this, that you're committed to it. Like there's, and it's a six month journey, so seven months really with with the plant medicine, so. So just just we'll have all the reach out. down below, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, we'll put all yeah.
0: the information down below. They'll be able to see your um, bio and description and everything on the website with the episode. So
2: very thankful for that. Real, real quick, to end it on a lighter note, you said you were single. Uh, for the men out there watching. <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh, on the market then, so to speak, or no? Oh, boy, you're really putting
1: me on the spot. My face you is going to get know. red. <laughs>
2: Yo. Uh,
1: <laughs> we need we need
2: more
0: motherly love out there
1: yeah, you made me cry, yeah let's... <laughs> um I am and it has to be it has to be the right person like I am not uh, it has to be someone who is ready to who is committed to their journey of exploring what's limiting us and you know you yeah. That's it. All right,
2: man. You come <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah,
1: man. Tell, <laughs> tell,
2: tell, her. mine over matter sent you. <laughs> yeah, mine over. It. Kevin and Trev sent you, dude. That's a perfect, perfect iceberg. Uh,
1: <laughs> All well, right, great. Thank you. <laughs> well,
0: thank you so much again, Kathleen, for coming on. Um, this is, again, each episode gets better. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I'm happy, happy to have you in our corner. Happy to be in yours. So yeah. hopefully our cross paths, I have no doubt they will at some point again, maybe when I start writing my book, I'll turn towards the number one, the, uh, the international seller over here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, if someone has experienced any kind of grief, I've got a book called Shattered Together, a mother's journey from grief to belief. And there's little daily practices that is included in there. It's a self-help know practical and a little bit of a memoir so um it it could be very useful for anyone link down below so thank link you down again down. and thank you for all that you've done and all that you've experienced so where you can share the world share with the world What? how much better life can be when you actually step into your own journey in a healthy way
0: <laughs> wow. yes ma'am Well, thank you, and thank you to everyone listening. Um, Yeah, all the links will be in the description. Check her out, and uh, support her as much as you support us.